Following is the second of three special episodes recorded with two former prison inmates who discuss their crimes, prison experiences, and quests for redemption. Listen to their deep introspections and pleas for society to never give up on any human being, including those who have once done the darkest of deeds. Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer. Along with Gene Galvin and me, I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home every day from there with mud on his face. And last week we did, we did a program that that deals with, uh, that that is designed to help prisoners in prison to make some good decisions to get out and have good lives. And uh, this week, the point of view is to our listeners. And Daryl, you mentioned last week in the episode that you walked in the door uh, to a degree, a transformed man. That is correct, Gene. Because you, you, both of you guys come from spiritual backgrounds, specifically Christian backgrounds. And you had said, Daryl, that that in between the time that you were convicted of your crime and in a few minutes, I want, cause I'm sure our listeners like, geez, if these guys were in over 30 years in one case, 20 years in another case, you know, what did you do? But hold that for just a second. But between the time of your crime and your conviction and your actual incarceration, which was Daryl, how long? And in that time period, however long it was, you went through being saved, correct? And did that, and did that did that impact then how you spent your time for over twenty years? It did, and, and to me it was miraculous that uh, I, so I was out on bond for two years from nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety on a fifty thousand okay. full cash bond <clears throat> in nineteen eighty nine, July eleventh. My life changed radically um, spiritually. I didn't really have much background uh, spiritually, um, so it wasn't like the pressures of the situation uh, brought that up. But I do believe that God used that. But it certainly prepared my mind and my heart to enter into a world um, that was absolutely volatile. Um, and so uh, I, I want to say this, the, the judicial system, um, the pendulum swings two ways. It, it swings on one side punitive and on the other side, very re, uh, rehabilitative and, and restorative. And I want to say that the majority of the years, if not all the years that Tom and I were in, uh, we were under the depunitive. And so uh, when I acquired enough education after being there a short time, I began to, to look around and I realized that there were two different types of people in prison, those doing their time and those who their time was doing them, if that makes sense. I, I watched guys walk the loop and um, look at the freak books and hang out and laugh and try to escape the ownership of their crimes and, and all kinds of things. I've seen guys not take advantage of those uh, programs and classes and vocations and things that you could seize there. Now, now know this. I don't know about other judicial systems, but in Kentucky, there are no mandates. Unless you have a certain type of crime, there's only one mandate. That's SOTP, Sex Offender Treatment Program. The rest of those classes, you, you don't have to take. And so I watched this not happening. And I had a sense of urgency in my heart, Gene, that I wanted change. I wanted to acquire education. I wanted to be different than what I was when I came into that place. That was my biggest fear. 
And let me tell you, that was a fearful world. I was fearful about a lot of things in there, but my biggest fear, I think, was leaving the same way I came. You know, I lived a, a life of riotousness on the streets and, and just foolishness with all the gang banging and, and stealing cars and promiscuity and all the things that go with that kind of lifestyle. And, uh, and so I began swimming upstream as a Christian, I'm trying to live a different kind of life. And the majority, uh, uh, Tom used the right word minority. Uh, there's only a minority of those people that are really trying to change things there. And the majority are going with the flow. And, and it's hard to go against the flow when you're in such a peer pressured environment. And so, uh, I did. I, I came in and I, I hit the ground running. I got a GED. Back in those days, they offered a associate's degree. So I got that. I was able to go on and get a bachelor's in theology and a master's in divinity. I did a four-year degree through American Association of Christian Counseling. Uh, I did five vocations. I spent 10 years doing vocations. And so I used my time well. Um, I, I just, I, you know, I was, I was, I had the opportunity to teach classes and to walk alongside of men that others had uh, classified as throwaways. And uh, I felt like um, it was a mutual transformation when I poured in other people. It came back to me, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, as the Bible would say. Um, and so I was very blessed. You know, I, I'm not bitter. I don't have an axe to grind, but I will tell you, uh, you can do whatever you want there. You can use it or you can just lose that time and walk out and let technology and economy and all the other things pass you by more dysfunctional than you came in. Hey, by the way, how, how old are you, Daryl? 61. Okay. And Tommy, how old are you? 72. We'll be. Okay. 72. okay. Uh, I'm way ahead of both you guys. I'm like <laughs> 79. So you're, you're just like kids. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I saw in the time that I was in there volunteering, uh, looking at it from a pair of eyes from the outside, I saw some guys not doing anything, just, you know, walking the yard because I'd see them when I come in and leaving. They're still, you know, hanging out in the yard. And the guys I was dealing with were more like what you guys are talking about. They were coming to, I didn't know till you just said it, that there are no mandates other than sexual offender classes. And so that means that if your inclination is to do Jack, that's what you'll do. That's right, Gene. And, and that's interesting. Also, let, let our listeners understand, at least in Kentucky, because I don't know any other system. And uh, Tom, when you talk here in a second, because I know you spent time in another state in a prison, as I recall, and I'd be curious to know if it's any different, but you don't have access to the internet in prison. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, So when people hear you say, well, I got this program and that program and degrees, they think, well, that's like Phoenix University. I just get on a laptop in my cell or my dorm room or whatever situation I'm in and go online and get a degree. That's not how it works, right? The only material that I understood that inmates could get access to would be things in the library, printed things, and maybe a radio and a small TV in your cell where you could get electronic information that way and stay on top of the world and politics and economics, but no internet. Correct. No, that is correct, Gene. I, in fact, when I took the classes above the associates, all that was distance learning. And so I had books sent in. And when I took uh, tests, I was proctored by principals or chaplains that would sit across gotcha. from them. And they'd watch yeah. that to keep my, my, my accreditation legitimate. Okay. And uh, Daryl, um, t- tell us what your convictions are for conviction, 
whether it's one or more. What were you convicted of? I was convicted of wanton murder. Um, 1988, drug deal gone bad. And I slayed my victim, stabbed him 22 times, left him for dead, left the scene of the crime. And uh, so, yeah, after three weeks of grand jury trials, uh, after deliberation, they found me guilty of, of wanton murder. Okay. Um, Tom, uh, what were you convicted of? Sexual assault. Okay. And did you spend time in a prison in another state? If so, where was that? Uh, California. And can you compare the similarities or differences between Kentucky and there as far as how they how they do incarceration? The thing the thing about incarceration is this is when is when you understand what it's meant for is, is barbarism. So some penal systems like California are very barbaric, very dangerous. The inmates, uh, uh, there's a lot of gang violence. There's a lot of uh, 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 violent culture in the prison, whereas a system like Kentucky, it's not so much as that type of violence. There is violence in the system, but it's not it's not the type of violence that there was in the California system. They were killing guys, uh, killing guys right and left in California system. And still, wow. and still, it still, it still is. It's one of the most violent system in America. Kentucky is a system that uh, they have violent offenders in there and their violence, but they do a pretty good job in keeping down violence. But there's a lot of other things that go on. So being in the K- Kentucky system is a mental war. And the spiritual war is because uh, uh, in the California system, you know, if you get out of line, you do something, you're a dead man. Whereas in the Kentucky system, it's sometimes uh, uh, certain aspects are, are promoted, certain things are promoted, where you don't get the you don't get the immediate consequences of it. So therefore, like. Uh, uh, Daryl was talking about, you find that a lot of guys will not work on themselves and they get involved in the, in the culture and the environment of, uh, say, like doing drugs and stuff like that while they're in prison. Whereas, you know, um, with me, I don't really like to talk about prison that much because to me, they're all concentration camps. I'm just going to be I'm just going to be real. Uh, people think that that's what people deserve. And I'm going to be real again. Some men, some women do deserve being in concentration camps. They do deserve the worst treatment because they have done things that 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 have have uh, torched humanity and harmed people to a degree that even people in prison don't uh, sometimes agree with. So but I don't judge. But what I'm saying is that is that all prisons are bad. There's no good prisons. All prisons are bad. I don't care if it's like they used to say club fed, uh, the federal prison systems with the supposed to have the swimming pools. Well, if you ask a man that's uh, cognizant, if you ask a man that's mature, you ask a man that understands what his family's going through, the stigma that's attached to, to his family, what, what, what he's lost in his livelihood a, a, as a human being, he's going to tell you that 
prison is that prison that he's there where he can go swimming or play tennis at. He doesn't look at it like he's in a good place. He knows he knows that he knows the psychological uh, uh, trauma that's on his family. Uh, it's just that some prisons are worse environmentally for for you when you're there, you know, than other people's like, for instance, like in some prison systems, there's a lot of rapes going on, a lot of extortion going on. And then in other systems, there's not. They, they have the, 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 from the top down, they, they, they make, they make the, the, the administrators have more of an accountability on how they're running the prison systems where other prison systems are what you call just concentration camps, just lock them up, throw away the keys, treat them any kind of way you want to treat them because they did these crimes, whereas other systems don't. Uh, the point I want to make about prison, period, because I work to keep men out of prison, yeah. uh, prison, period, is bad. You know, it's expressed pain. And, what, you know, when you get in there, you see, uh, Daryl would probably tell you this, you see a lot of pain. You see a lot of personal anguish. You see a lot of emotional sickness, mental illness with people. And, and, and it's not being tended to as it's supposed to be tended to because the, because the resources are not there. Uh, uh, when Daryl was in, he was blessed and fortunate because they took out all the educational materials. The, the, the stuff that Daryl did, they can't do anymore because I got out after Daryl. So what Daryl did, he was blessed to be able to get his degree. Yeah. Took away college and all that after he left. So, yeah. you know, uh, there's nothing good about prison. You know, nothing. Tom, is there what would uh, what would you do differently for people who have done things that are very bad for society, whether it's uh, murder, sexual offense, child abuse? huge thefts, whatever it may be. Uh, Because I got the same vibe as I would walk through that one prison. And my experience is only in one small place is like, man, this just doesn't, this is just a warehouse. And that's kind of what you're saying. Just, you know, you warehouse people and pull out the edge. Cause I heard people complaining that the educational programs that you were, were referring to Daryl guys would tell me, no, that's, that's in the past. Is there a better way effective? It's gotta be effective. Society's going to demand that an effective way to correct behavior and make someone pay their dues. Is there another way of doing it? Uh I'll answer part of that question, then I'll defer to Daryl on the rest right. of the uh, So the thing about prison is it, when you have a person, let's say that's guilty of a, yeah. of a heinous crime, there's something that's going wrong with that person on the inside because uh, a compassionate person doesn't rape a person, a compassionate person doesn't murder a person. It just doesn't happen. They find other ways to deal with their anger. They deal with their hurt. You know, uh, they whatever 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 that they've been through in life. A person that has uh, uh, the 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 moral uh, 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 pillars within them, they might not like what they go through, but they don't react in a way that harms other people. Yeah. 
you know, because 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 uh, I can tell you my story about what I think caused me to do the things that I did, and and, and Daryl can tell you the story that that he that caused him to do the things he said. But both of us know, and how we live now is that there's plenty of people that go through hell in life that don't commit a crime. Yeah, they don't resort to a criminal conduct. There's men out here that work three, four, five, six, seven jobs, and they won't steal from nobody, but they're not rich, they're not poor, and their family's suffering. So it's 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 up here that we have to deal with somebody, and then we have to deal with them in here, you know. And then that what we have to be realistic is about some people you can't change up here, and down here is dead, and you have to. And the hard part, and what I don't have any answers to, is to be able to separate the ones that are changing and the ones that are not changing. And that's because, that's it. Because when people yeah. go to the parole board, everybody's going to say what they think the parole yeah. board wants to hear. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm going to yeah. tell you, the worst guy in the world wants out of prison. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. You know, he ain't changed, <laughs> but he wants out of prison. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He wants yeah. to get out there to drink again and smoke again. He wants to get out there to chase women again. He yeah. might not have no other purpose than that, but he wants out of prison. The word, he wants to get out there to shoot dope again. Me and Daryl knows guys like so, but but when they go before or the parole board, the people that they have to be accountable to, they may say all kinds of things like I've changed and I took this course. And they even take required courses when they do have to require a course, but there's no inward change. Yeah. They take the course because it's required of them to take the course. Yeah. And I'm not knocking anybody for what they're doing and how they're doing it. What I'm that's saying reality. Is, I'm just saying that yeah. I don't have the answers. Now, if you ask me about me and Daryl about me, what I did is my mother's pain, my mother's not here now. She died in 2012. And because I was so close with my mother, it dawned on me that my behavior had stigmatized my mother. My behavior had shamed my mother. My mother had to walk publicly among people and she would always stand up for me because I was a public figure at one time by being a, you know, a, a, you know, a well-known ba- a basketball player in the state of Kentucky and in America at, at one point, you know, and then, you know, even after that, I was in the entertainment industry for doing movies at one point and stuff. So my life has always been kind of a, a public, public. And so when I did something, my activity fell back on the backs of my people. You know, my brother, Daryl, and you yeah, know what type of human being he is, but yeah, Daryl's yeah. had to live with all kind of humiliation and shame and people saying any and everything to him. So what people didn't know, that impacted me to where I fought hard every day to be a different kind of a human being than people label me as. You know, I, I, I even now I do it. I, I live my life I live my life in memory of my mother to be a different type of a human being. You know, I don't, I don't, uh, I was talking to you earlier and, 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 and Gene earlier about, uh, I really believe about second Corinthians chapter five, about uh, God's infusion and making us a new creation, you know, a new creature. He comes in and he renovates us, you know what I'm saying? Through a process. So yeah. that's why you don't sometimes like me as a Christian, and, you, and you're incarcerated, 
And you wonder, well, because I'm a Christian now, I'm going to get out of prison. No, you got to pay the price. You have to, God has to take you through a process and he has to know he can trust you with what he's given you. And that when you do walk out, nobody else will be at risk, you know what I'm saying, of your behavior. And so, you know, that's where I'm at with that. I don't, uh-huh. I can't, I'm not the advocate for prison that that somebody else may I, I I defer to other men that specialize in do that. My advocacy is for the is for humanity, for us to change in general on how we treat each other to not make criminals. That's what my advocacy is. Yeah. My advocacy is how I treat you, you know, and how you treat me, because you may not know that when you contaminate me, when you harm me psychologically, emotionally, I may go off and do something to somebody else from the harm, the psychological and emotional harm, and sometimes physical harm you have done to me. So my advocacy is trying to challenge people to look within themselves and see what, are they being part of the problem? Why are they talking about everybody else? Are they being part of this, the human solution, you know, about yeah. uh, trying to raise people up? What do you think, Daryl? Well, I don't think I could say it better than Tom did, but I, I'll try to add a little bit to it. So one of the things, Gene, that I saw that uh, scared me <clears throat> pretty early on was that it was a one-size-fits-all uh, when you came into the institution. Um, case management was not micromanaging your case, and they did not care about who you are, what you've done, what kind of trauma you've dealt with, or what is your issue. In fact, mm-hmm. in the 70s, lots of uh, funding went away from state mental health institutions, as, as we know. And so from that point on, lots of men and women out in community began to, to funnel into the prison system and they went undiagnosed there. You know, they, they, they didn't have a place to go out there. And so they end up committing crimes. They end up in a prison. I couldn't tell you, I'm sure Tom can mimic this. Uh, uh, I couldn't tell you the people that I was there with, that I was able to identify their, their mental illness. There was absolutely, it was clear, but <laughs> I, I want to say, <laughs> you know, that too, Gene, you walked in there. And so, but I want to say this, I, I believe in deterrent sentencing. I believe that if men and women were, uh, if they if if they were assessed better, and, and I agree totally with Tom, there's reasons why people commit crimes, and if we could get into the heart, if we get get into the life of the people, and and begin to look in deeply and and care about those people, I believe that we can make a huge difference and figure the issue out. And I believe that not everyone that lands in the prison deserves to be in the prison. Tom said that, and I, I agree with him totally. And I, I'll say this, you know, I was blessed to have a lot of education and to be able to teach classes and a lot of great things in prison. But I'll tell you the simplicity of how I was able to make impact in men's lives. It was simply, Gene, by walking alongside of men, listening to them, their stories, caring about them, and, 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 and trusting them, that I saw men change. And, and I began to, to earn the opportunity to, to, uh, to speak back into their lives. And I saw the change take place, and, you know, and I just believe that uh, as Christian myself, I believe that love changes the game. And I believe that when we care about people, it, it, the way we show that is, uh, well, the, the old adage is nobody cares how much you know until you, they know how much you care. And I just believe yeah. that's the philosophy right there. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Both of you guys have uh, talked about um, how in prison you have different kinds of guys. We're only talking guys here because you guys were in men's prisons. And 
we may uh, get lucky and expand this to have uh, women involved in our conversations. They give that other point of view, and it may be different in women's prisons, or it may not be, maybe the same. But there are different kinds of people incarcerated that you guys met, some who were reforming and getting redemption, and you guys, I'll argue to the end of my days, are living examples that it can be done. And never give up. I'm saying this to our listeners. You can never give up on human beings. Human beings can change. And it may be through spiritual help. You know, I'm not smart enough to know all the things that can make it happen. I suspect we could find an atheist somewhere who's doing a good work as well. And they didn't use a spiritual connection, or certainly somebody may have done it with Allah or, or with Jehovah. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know all that. But we do know, and you guys are verifying it, there are different kinds of people in prison. Some of them will go before a parole board and just BS their way to try to get out. And some that mean the words they say and come out and are now change their lives and are doing incredible work like you two guys have done. I have to hook into something Tommy said, though, Daryl. He said as he was rattling uh, uh, through the things that you see in prison, all kinds of things, some horrible stuff, guys go into prison and, and just do a bunch of drugs. Are you kidding me? Are there drugs in prison? And if so, Daryl, how does that happen? This completes part two of a three-part special edition of the Jerry Springer podcast. Please join us next week as we conclude our discussion with Tom Payne and Daryl Davis. Thank you for listening.